Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. So good to be with you this morning to worship together, to sing, to reflect, to pray, to open the scripture. We're working through this series about 40 days, 40 years, these time periods where characters in scripture learn about depending on God. We're doing this as we journey through the Lenten season ourselves, 40-day time of reflection, introspection, as we prepare for Easter. And just to give a disclaimer, a warning this morning, the text that we're dealing with today, the story of Elijah, deals with a character in the midst of despair, even with thoughts about his life no longer continuing. So if that's something you don't need to hear today, no problem. Feel, feel free to excuse yourself. We just wanted to give you that notice before we jump into this text. We'll be looking at 1 Kings chapter 19, and I want to read the story first. And I'd like to start with verse 2, 1 Kings 19. Then Jezebel the queen sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So the gods made you to me, and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them, those who had been killed by this time tomorrow. And Elijah was afraid. So he got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, in the southern kingdom. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. And at that place he came to the cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the Lord of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I, I alone am left. And they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of a cave. Then there came a voice to him. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. 
The Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I, I alone am left, and they're seeking my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Aram. Also, you shall anoint Jehu of Nimshai as king over Israel, and you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat of Abel Melo, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what happens when it all comes crashing down? When you feel like you're doing everything right, but everything has gone wrong. Elisha, we meet today on the heels of some incredible work. Just a chapter before, Elijah was calling down fire in the contest with prophets of Baal, the rival God. Those prophets could do nothing in the face of the true God. Elijah has stood up in the face of the northern kingdom of Israel that has turned from the worship of God to the worship of Baal. The kings, the leaders are corrupt. Justice has vanished. Violence is rampant. Elijah continues to point to God. He's been so successful. If this was a story today, we would tell the story of Elijah like an action hero. As future generations would read this story, we know that this book of 1 Kings was a book cherished by the people of Israel when they themselves were captives and exiles in the foreign land of Babylon. They would have savored these tales of Elijah. Like people today might line up for superhero movies, they would want to learn about Elijah. These great stories of their people who had gone before, before they were in exile, back when they were whole. Stories of victory from the good old days. Perhaps you have some stories of the good old days in your life, in your faith. The exiles would have remembered Elijah's defeat of the other prophets, revel in the story, as they themselves were exiled and trapped by people who worshipped another god. They'd remember when Elijah won. But suddenly we get to this chapter, chapter 19. We get this sort of sequel to this action story. And suddenly things are darkened, frightened. At the peak of his career, Elijah finds himself receiving death threats from the queen. Things have gone sideways. And he says, all I've done is be loyal and do my best. Have you been there? Why do those people who say and do those things get the upper hand? Why is it when I do everything seemingly right, even though I often don't always get it right, even when I get it right, things go wrong? Elijah was a hero. And yet we see within him is this turmoil. It's a good reminder that there are often things going on inside of other people and inside us that nobody else can see. Even heroes of faith, like Elijah, so he flees. He flees a hundred miles away from the reach of the queen into the southern kingdom 
But then he keeps going. He keeps going into the wilderness as his world has crashed around him. We've been talking about the wilderness this Lenten season, a place of reflection and growth that we may choose to go into in times like the season of Lent, to reflect, to grow. Sometimes the wilderness is a time of difficulty that we did not plan to go into, but have found ourselves drug into it. A valley of the shadow of death. It may be that we are the only ones who even know we're in this valley, as we pretend like everything's fine. I don't know where you're at today, but I all know, we all know this kind of valley. This kind of wilderness. Elijah's wilderness is a wilderness of despair. Let's read again in 1 Kings 19, 4 through 8. So Elijah himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked, and there in his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a dark wine. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank, and then he went into the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to pour over the mouth of God. So here we find Elijah collapsed in the wilderness alone, seeing no future for himself. Right after all these great successes, he crashes, feeling spent, like a failure, falls to sleep. We, we don't know why somebody who seems to have everything going for himself can fall into such a low point. We don't know why, but we do know that it happens. We get tired, we get hurt by others, we get discouraged, we get annoyed. So there's a lesson here. In his despair, the angel comes and says, eat and drink. And the Lord provides these cakes and a jar of water. The cakes baked on a hot stone. Interestingly enough, that word for hot stone was only used one other time in the scripture to describe the hot coals placed on the lips of Isaiah and the vision that Isaiah had where he saw the Lord and declared his own uncleanliness before God. This time, these hot stones baked this bread to keep the lives going. Sometimes, a snack and a drink is exactly what we need. Parents know the power of a snack. At the right time, the snack can do a good thing. It sounds silly, but I find it encouraging. God cares about our physical needs. We've been praying the Lord's Prayer throughout this series. We'll do that again today. And we pray, give us our daily bread. Because the physical things are not too small for God. Not unimportant. It's part of why our Saturday and Sunday meals are so reflective in my mind of the character of God. See, it's hard to deal with the deeper things of life in the same way it's hard for school kids to worry about learning on empty stomachs. The physical needs always matter to the Lord. Do you love me? There isn't Jesus asked Peter, then feed my sheep. It's as if in this moment the angel says, Elijah, you are loved. Have a snack. So sometimes the first thing we need to keep going is just a nap and a snack. So if you were the kind of congregation that said amen for things, and I know that you're not, but if you were, perhaps in this moment you would say amen to a snack 
and a nap. Maybe that's all you need today. Hey, if you need a nap and a snack, I give you permission to go get one. Not right now, Julie. Not right now. And if you can't, ask somebody in this community to help you so you have time to do it. But the angel continues the second time. Get up and eat. Or the journey will be too much for you. I wonder if Elijah ever thought that anything would ever be too much for him. I mean, he's Elijah. He just said, fire, come down. Oh, by the way, I'll soak the wood with water. Watch it happen. He's a star, and now he finds himself in the wilderness, thinking this isn't supposed to happen to me. And the angel says, hey, this journey's going to be too much even for you. We too can get knocked down because life is hard. Sometimes the journey is too much. One scholar writes, if we only rely on our strength or talent or intelligence, we will fall into despair. The journey is too much for us. But Elijah reminds that God is always there with food and drink. Perhaps it's why we are given as Christians not hot cakes or a jar of water, but bread and cup in the communion meal, eat and drink, because this all is too much for us. But it's not too much for God, it's not too much for Christ, it's not too much for the Spirit, but I get ahead of myself. So left by the snack, Elijah goes on this 40-day journey into the wilderness to the mountain of God, where Moses spent 40 days with God. It's a journey. Elijah feels like he has nothing to offer. So he goes to this mountain where God has encountered Moses before in hopes that he might encounter God in the same way. <coughs> Read with me 1 Kings 19, 9, 10. At that place he came into a cave and spent the night there. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. They're seeking my life to take it away. The grammar there on I alone, it actually has the word I twice. I, I alone. Elijah feels all this in himself. The cave where he is at may be the very cave where Moses hid himself as God passed by. As the people of God begin their history as God's people. Imagine he's hoping God might do the same thing. Perhaps you are too. You ask God, where are you? See, the Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And perhaps Elijah might have been frustrated. What am I doing here? I'm trying to figure out where you've been, God. I've done everything right and I've been chased. Elijah complains, why isn't it getting better? Why are the bad things still terrible and the bad people still running everything? Why is the northern kingdom still heading to destruction? After all that I've done, I've given everything to you and now I've got a price on my head. Some of the things that Elijah says about altars and such. A little bit of hyperbole. But that makes sense. Elijah's hurting. Elijah's catastrophizing. He's doing everything that happens in the worst possible light. 
And so perhaps you expect God to just correct Elijah and say, get over yourself. But instead, this famous passage, verse 11, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. For the Lord's about to pass by. Now, there's great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks into pieces before the Lord. The Lord was not on the wind. And after the wind, it was an earthquake. The Lord's not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, fire. The Lord is not the fire. And after the fire, sound was sheer silence. When Elijah heard, he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said the same thing. I've been very zealous for you, Lord, the God of hosts. The Israelites have forsaken your covenant, burned down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I, I alone am left. And they're seeking my life to take it away. And the Lord said, Go, return on your way into the wilderness of Damascus when you arrive. Anoint Zeal as king over Aaron. Anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. Anoint Elijah, son of Shaphat, over Ebal and Malah, and prophets in your place. This famous passage is often a favorite of introverts like me. See, God is in the quiet, so can you all just quiet down? But when we do that, we miss the power and the poetry of this story to just reform our preferences. I can remember uh, playing with my high school worship band in a military chapel. They asked us to come play, and the chaplain came running to figure out how to get us to be quiet. <laughs> is that all this is about? To be quiet? See, so remember, this is the very mountain where God passed by. Elijah wants to recreate this experience. Fire and wind and earthquake revealed God. And God has already shown up in big ways in Elijah's life, flashing ways with fire. Is that why you're here, Elijah? The Lord asks. To go back to the good old days. Don't we all do that? To try to create an experience. Recently, at a college in Kentucky held a chapel service that just didn't stop. It kept going for days and days. People made pilgrimages to go see this running worship service. And others probably felt the sense of, why not here, why not me? Or that must not even be real. In fact, I follow a lot of uh, pastors and other churches on social media and saw several of them trying to like create something similar so they could post the pictures. Elijah stands in the mountain, sees all of that power and smoke. But there's no connection with God in this. Not this time. Instead, it happens in a sound of sheer silence. Your translation might say a quiet whisper. And the quiet God is close. Elijah still says the same thing. Still expresses his same frustration. That's what Elijah needed in the wilderness. It was not more show, but the kind of closeness you can only experience in silence. A God not just big on display, but also intimate enough to whisper. A God not afraid of the silence. But within that silence, Elijah's fears or questions or doubts, anxiety or depression, a God who is not ashamed of Elijah. And a God who does not rebuke Elijah, 
but instead whispered. See, God cares about our physical needs, but also our emotional needs. I've heard this story about a child, we'll call him Justin. He made this pottery for his parents at school. You know when kids make that pottery that's so interestingly shaped. He wrapped it in a big bow, and while getting out of the family minivan, he dropped it, and it shattered on the pavement. Justin broke down and cried. His gift was broken. He couldn't give what he had made to his parents. His father tried to console him, to help him be strong. Justin, it's okay. It doesn't matter, his dad said. But that did not help. His mother, however, understood. She knelt down and said, no, it matters. It matters very much. And she cried with the little boy. The story in 1 Kings reminds us that God is not all action movie exploring but deep connection. Even between worn down and deflated people, God loves us all. What's so interesting about this passage is after this silence thing happens, God says, now go. Go. Anoint this person as king, that person. Find Elisha to be your successor. Go. When my kids are throwing fits and fighting over toys, I'm constantly amazed how quickly they can bounce back from their frustration when redirected with a task of asking them to help with something. I always forget this. <laughs> I'm trying to reason with them this morning. Then I observe somebody else, invite them to do something else, and they just bounce back and go. We find this with God and Elijah. God doesn't blame. Elijah cast shame on Elijah. Elijah's burnout and breakdown is not his fault. God simply says, get out. I'm not done with you yet. And God also throws in this new bit of information. Yes, there'll be another prophet, someone to invest in. And there are 7,000 others. Remember, Elijah said, I, I only am the only one left. God says, there are 7,000 others who need you and who you need. 7,000 left a message that Elijah was not alone. Sometimes prayer's deepest answer might be that we're not alone. Whatever the circumstance. Elijah, join me, God says. Join me. Join me in the work that is for the world. See, God also cares about the needs of the world such an interesting story. Elijah going from success to a breaking point, going into the wilderness, hoping to find a reason to keep going. And God provides we're not in smoke and earthquakes, but in a whisper, but in an invitation. It reminds me of this song by one of my favorite singer-songwriters, David Ramirez. He talks about his life on the road constantly in motion. In fact, he packed up his car and lived in his car for four years early in his career. And in a song, he says, maybe I'll go because I'm chasing something. Maybe I'm going because something's chasing me. Maybe I'll leave because I've yet to find someone to look me in the face and say, stick around. I want you next to me. 
stick around. This is the message Elijah hears in the wilderness. This is the message for us today, wherever you are. Stick around. God can move in fires and earthquakes and great shows of power, absolutely. But as intimately as a whisper, as close as silence, we see the face of Christ looking at you in the eyes, saying, stick around. I want you next to me. Stick around. Perhaps that's the message we need to discover in the wilderness when we think we're alone. Stick around. I'll take care of you. I'm not done with you yet. You aren't alone. When you want to give up or run or think that God has nothing for you or maybe isn't real, may we find in the stillness of connection, may we find in the hugs and visits and good mornings, may we find in the quiet of communion, may we find the pregnant silence of eyes meeting ours and refusing to look away. What do we do when the world is crashing down? What do we do when the world is crashing down on our friends? What do we do? Stick around. And by that I mean if you are in an unhealthy space, a relationship, or church, an abusive space, get out of it. But with Jesus, you're invited to stick around. In community, you're invited to stick around, to keep on with the work of justice and love, the quiet work of stalking a blessing box, and serving brunch, and calling a friend, and flying to see your friends in Texas, and bringing with you a suitcase of real tortillas. Oh, she brought us real tortillas from Texas. Oh, I'm so thankful. It means babysitting, and learning names, and showing up. It means knowing you weren't alone in the wilderness. And being one to join someone else when they're there too. It means remembering that Jesus is so beautiful. And so is what we dream the church and God's people can be, should be, where we may we move towards him. It might not look like earth, wind, and fire. It might just look like a whisper of a savior, bearing wounds of nails and a spear. Bearing more wounds than you can even see. Sitting silently next to you. Leaning in close. Whispering in your ears, stick around. I want you next to me. So as we close this morning, we're going to close with the Lord's Prayer. We've been praying it throughout this series, and this week I want to challenge you to pray this prayer throughout the week. And each time we pray, we get to the part where it says daily bread. We ask God to provide for our bread. And I want you to think about asking God to provide what you need physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. Know that the bread of life, Jesus, is offering himself to you. And let me say one more thing. If you, like Elijah, are dealing with mental or emotional health challenges, there is no shame in that. It is not your fault. And I have some resources for you, for you. If you need help, if you need somebody to connect with, if you need some professional help, I would love to point you in that direction. Now, if you'll join me in the Lord's Prayer, it's on the screen. Our Father, 
Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.